Spotlight. I'm Rachel Barenbaum, and today my guest is Natalie Zena Walshots. That's right, oh, as wow. in Warrior Princess. She is awesome. <laughs> this book is receiving all kinds of rave reviews. Natalie, tell me, what is Hench about? Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Hench is about uh, the story of a young hench woman um, who uh, is, you know, sort of a, a member of, of one of the sort of like downtrodden and often considered expendable employees of supervillains um, who, after uh, a series of increasingly terrible run-ins with both villains and heroes, um, decides to look into the math and science of how bad, how exactly how bad um, superheroes are for the communities they are ostensibly supposed to protect. I love that on the surface we're laughing and there's a lot of lightness around this, but at mm -hmm. the heart of what you just said is a character who's after truth and facts, right? Who crunches numbers and comes Absolutely. up and says, superheroes aren't worth it. Tell me about that. Sure. So Anna, our main character, uh, looks into the sort of math of natural disasters to, um, as, a, as a way to measure exactly how bad superheroes are for the world. Um, the answer is quite. Um, I have uh, run these equations myself. Like all the math that Anna uses in the book is real. Uh, and if you look at lots of comics and sort of measure the damage that the heroes do versus the villains, regardless of whether their um, plots were successful or not, the heroes are deeply in the red in terms of the harm that they cause. Um, so this is a, uh, when Anna runs these numbers, uh, she comes to the same conclusion um, and uses this data uh, both to um, sort of sway public opinion and to, you know, uh, execute a plan of making heroes' lives extremely difficult in a lot of ways through minor and major sabotage. Um, and it's ultimately what uh, the thing that um, gains her additional attention when it comes to some of the bigger villains of the world. It's all about the math. It's all about the math, all about the spreadsheets. But at the heart of that is this question of what is the greater good? And I love this because that's, you know, Jeremy Bentham and the philosophy of utilitarianism. Mm -hmm. and, and I love that question. So can you talk about, were you thinking about that as you wrote it? Were you a philosopher? Are you a philosopher? Uh, morality and, and shades of gray in morality is definitely something that I think about a lot. Um, I, this, this book is sort of a, a very funny trolley problem in a cape <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, and so that is something that I was thinking about actively and, you know, sort of the ways that um, we form our ideas of good and the way that we measure goodness was certainly something that was at the forefront of my mind. Um, and the way that sort of big ideas like justice and heroism can, in fact, get in the way of good. I'm trying to square all of this with your day job, right, as <laughs> you create video games. Can you help me with that? The, the overlap that was most useful for me, um, in addition to, like, having to be kind of funny and glib and do sound bites and dialogue being a huge part of that is choices, right? And uh, I, I really enjoy writing branching narratives that have kind of multiple ways that, um, you know, player choice can drive a narrative forward. When you're writing a novel, you're making one choice, but you, I, I can't sort of get the habit of seeing multiple paths out of my head. Uh, so that kind of like, 
um, what are the, you know, what is sort of the multiverse of the, of the branches that can result from this choice and picking one rather than seeing a single path forward, um, I think had a pretty deep impact on how I wrote this. Um, but this book is super concerned with the gig economy and unethical labor practices and, um, you know, job precarity and insecurity and temping as a sort of like new permanent state um, of, and which is something that, you know, uh, has impacted me personally a lot. I, I, the like joking, not joking line I use a lot is this is actually an autobiography <laughs> because it is and it isn't. But I, I've certainly had um, a lot of uh, intense personal experiences along those lines. And, um, you know, as the human cannon fodder that often get thrown at heroes, I think hench people in a lot of ways embody that kind of disposability and precarity that a, a lot of gig workers deal with on a constant basis. I love this. You start the book right from page one. Am I going to eat today or am I going to take a job that maybe I don't really want? Absolutely. And like, how concerned can you be with the ethics of what your job is if you, if the alternative is like, I cannot eat and pay my rent if I don't do this. And if the actual task I'm performing is just filling out a spreadsheet, like, that can be very far or answering the phone, right? Or making coffee or any kind of, you know, sort of task that doesn't immediately, like not, you're actually not building the death ray, right? If your hands aren't like on the laser cannon, you can really kind of forget what you're doing pretty easily. Yeah, but are you, I mean, right? This is, I think this is the big question that really grabs me is, okay, so you're just answering the phone, but you're answering the phone for who? And you're putting, mm -hmm. you know, who's going through that phone and to what end? Maybe your hand isn't on the death ray, but are you a part of it? I mean, this is a big philosophical question. Absolutely. And it, it's something that is uh, manifests in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways um, throughout, throughout Hench. Um, and I think that that's not really a question I can answer. I think it's something that a lot of people have to answer for themselves, honestly, because like, I also feel like, sure, it's dramatized in sort of a like superhero, supervillain way in this book in particular, but like if you're working for a weapons manufacturer, right, or an insurance company whose entire purpose is basically to like charge astronomical amounts of money for, um, you know, medical procedures and keep drug prices up and, you know, like deny people coverage whenever they possibly can, like, and if your job is just answering the phones, like, are you doing a vast amount of evil every day? I mean, like, probably, but also, like, I'm sure you're also thinking of, like, this hypothetical you um, of, like, how can I feed myself or my family or pay my bills or my mortgage, right? And the, that sort of when um, pinned down by those kinds of questions, um, you know, there's, there's only so much room for like bigger philosophical ideals. These are much bigger questions than we will figure out in our 10 minutes, right? Or the philosophers <laughs> yeah, over thousands of years will figure out either. Talk to me about diversity in Hedge. Sure. Um, it was, again, something I thought about really consciously and deliberately. You know, I, I, um, I am 
extremely fortunate uh, in the community that I am a part of. Um, the people I'm surrounded by um, are uh, come from a, a vast array of cultural and racial backgrounds, have you know extremely diverse genders and sexualities. Uh, that's the world in which I live, and so it was very important that that be reflected um, in, in the work that I create. Um, I'm, you know, again, incredibly lucky that uh, I have an editor and an editorial team who were 100% on board with this. Um, but, you know, it was, it was very important that this book was not like a cis heteronormative, like, white story. Um, and I worked really hard to um, make sure that the, that the characters um, in the book sort of accurately reflect um, at least like some of the, the really extraordinary diversity that, that I get to be surrounded by. What was the hardest part to write in Hench? It was less the part, but like going through the second draft was really hard like as a process so kind of like first draft it doesn't matter how terrible it is just like getting it out of my body is for sure like difficult in its own way but you can kind of like as long as it's happening it doesn't matter shifting gears into you know that depth of thinking and that um you know kind of meditating on the questions i wanted to answer or explore over the course of the book was for sure very difficult. Like, What kind of advice do you have for new and aspiring writers? Um, write all the time. Like all the time, all the time. So was it hard to get this book published? Um, I know. Uh, I had a really amazing and probably unique experience. Um, I've had a wonderful relationship with an agent, um, Ron Eckel at Cook McDermott for years. He's wonderful. Um, when I showed him sort of uh, a draft of the manuscript, he got super excited. He and I went back and forth through a series of edits. So he felt like it was in a really good place to take to market. Um, and he ultimately sought out publishers for me and, and placed it at William Morrow at HarperCollins. I'm so thrilled to hear that it was uh, relatively easy to publish because it's not a traditional book, and yet it focuses on some really big, important ideas that I think need air, right? Or paper, the paper. space, whatever paper you want to call air. it. Right? I promise you, no one is more surprised than me <laughs> with, with, with the, the sort of extremely warm and positive reception that I've gotten so far. Natalie, Hench is fantastic, razor sharp. I absolutely loved it. May you sell many, many copies. Congratulations. Thank you so much.